morning. Good morning. Welcome. Glad to have you here. My name is Joe. I'm the associate pastor here at Real Life, and it's my pleasure to be sharing with you uh, as we continue a discussion that we've been having for a number of weeks now on the fruit of the Spirit. I'm talking about fruit of the Spirit. And, uh, and so I get to share with you this morning, we're going to talk about one of the fruits of the Spirit, uh, kindness. We get to talk about kindness this morning. And uh, here's the big takeaway. I'm going to start you off with giving you the take-home at the beginning, okay? So our big takeaway this morning we're going to wrestle through is that kindness is a discipline. Kindness is a discipline. So we're going to unpack that because the thing is, is that I know for me, I, and this may surprise some of you, may not, but I tend to not be very kind. I'm one of those people that struggle with kindness. Um, I, I've wrestled with that my whole life, and I've luckily been discipled by my wife for many years on how to be more kind. Anybody been discipled by their spouse about kindness? Yes, I am one of those. I'm the type of person where I tend to be very uh, direct and to the point, and when I, when I speak in, in that way, I also have what we call in our, our family the Oliver Brow. And so if you can, like, if I go like this, you can see, right? It's like this Klingon thing happening with my brow. And, um, and so when I, get, when I get talking about something, you know, I do this thing with my face, and then all of a sudden it's like, is Joe upset? Is, is he mad? And so when I talk, I get direct, and then I get this serious look on my face, and then all of a sudden now it's like it comes off the wrong way. And so I lovingly, my wife, she does such a great job at this, uh, she reminds me, hey, Joe, what you just said there might have not been the nicest thing. And I'm like, well, it wasn't nice. I was just telling them what, you know, they needed to know. And, uh, and so I have to go back, and I have to apologize, and I have to work through that. And that's just been something I've had to work on my whole life is how to be more kind and um, and and focus on that. And then there are people in our lives, people that we know who just exude kindness. You know what I'm talking about? The kinds of people that just, they just have it, uh, just a part of their life. There are people in our church like uh, Scott and Angie Bauer. Do you know these people? Crazy kind people. Some of the kindest people I've ever met. They're the kind of people I want to be like when I grow up. Scott and Angie, like they are just so kind. It's so fun to be around them. We love being around people like that. There's another couple in my life that have uh, been a part of my life for a number of years, the Ulrichs. Uh, they usually come uh, for service. And, uh, um, but this is another family that just have kindness just coming out of them all the time. And those people are great to be around because they make us feel better and, and they, they tend to lift us up when we're low. Um, and uh, I, I tend to not be that person, but there are all those people out there. And here's the thing. If I were to interview like Scott and Andrew, these people that just have kindness, and I were to talk to them about their kindness, I bet you they would say, they would admit that there are times that they don't want to be kind. Right? There are times that they, they have to actually work at being kind. We all have those experiences. And so we're going to look at what it, what it means for us to be the kinds of people that have kindness in our lives. It's a discipline that we work through. And so that's what we're going to challenge ourselves uh, with this morning and challenge myself with this morning. Uh, kindness is a discipline. 
So to launch us off, let's, uh, let's look at how we got here. So we've been going through a letter. Uh, this letter is called Galatians. It was written by a guy named Paul. And this letter was written to a region. Gal- Galatians, Galatia is not a city. It's a region. It actually um, uh, is about central, north, northern central Turkey in our, in our modern map. Um, uh, was this region of Gal- called Galatia that had many different cities in this uh, region. It was a Roman colonized uh, area. And so you had all these different cities. It would be like me writing a letter um, to the Treasure Valley. And within the Treasure Valley, we have cities like Boise and Meridian and Eagle. And, and that letter being passed around to the different cities in this region of Galatia. So, so that's what Paul's doing. He had, he had visited these cities on a missionary trip, and they'd started churches, and, uh, and then he had gone on, and then he's getting word back that there's some problems happening within these, these Christian communities that had formed in these cities. So he writes this letter to this region, and they pass the letter around. They would probably copied it uh, uh, for themselves, and then they would pass it to the next city, and then they would copy that, and they would pass it to the next city, and it'd make the circulation of the, of the towns and the cities that were in this region. And so he's writing to them. We're not going to get into all the reasons why. There's a, there's a lot to unpack there. But by the time we get to chapter 5 uh, in this letter, uh, Paul's beginning to wrap up how he wants these people, these, these uh, uh, Christian communities, how he wants them to, to live and act uh, amongst each other and also the community around them. And so you, you get in chapter 5, verse 16. He starts out with this statement in verse 16. He says, so, um, so then, uh, or so I say, live by the Spirit. Live by the Spirit. And he's about to launch into this argument. Now that word live there is, is accurately, um, the, 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 the closest that we have is to actually walk. The word live there in the Greek can be translated walk. Some of your English translations may actually have the word walk in there. Walk in the Spirit. Live in the Spirit. And it's this idea that this um, this Spirit-activated life is something that we walk out every day. It's something that is, is, is practiced every day of our life. We are to walk in the Spirit all the time, um, all aspects of our lives. And so um, he's encouraging them to, to walk in the Spirit. And then he begins to launch into um, the dichotomy of like uh, the flesh and the spirit and and the differences between the two and so then you get this long list of what it looks like when you're walking in flesh and and it's a laundry list of of things that are evident of people that walk in the flesh and then he gets to verse 22 where he then says okay but then the spirit this is what it looks like when you're walking in the Spirit. This is the evidence, the outflow of what that is. And he goes into saying in verse 22 and 23, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, uh, gentleness, and self-control. And so he launches into this. Now, if we're paying attention, when he lists the, um, the works of the flesh, these are multiple things, different things that, that are applied when you're walking out in the flesh. But he says when you're walking out in the, the, the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit there is singular. Okay? So, so it's singular, which means that if we are producing something, this, this is the product of a life that's walking in the Spirit will produce these fruit. It's not something that you get to pick and choose. 
okay? It's not like I can go, you know, I'm, I'll have love, ah, but self-control, I'm just not going to do that, right? You, we don't get to choose it. It is something that is the byproduct of a life that's lived walking in the Spirit. This is the outflow of that. It's, it's a singular fruit of the Spirit that comes out of us, and He gives us this list. And what we notice here is that these are qualities, these qualities that he lists are actually virtues. They're virtues. These are things that you have to think through. These are things that you have to practice. These are things that you have to work at. This, the fruit of the Spirit is not the gift of the Spirit. To say that the Spirit gives you the gift of love, and oh, now I have love, and so I'm good. And, you know, and then he gives you the gift of self-control, like this one-off thing. No, these are, these are virtues that we practice and we work at. And this isn't the first time in history that something like virtues is talked about. Um, Aristotle writes in his second book on ethics about virtues. And he writes in, in his writings way before Paul talking about um, virtues and the difference between what Aristotle would write about virtues and what Paul writes about virtues is that when Aristotle talks about virtues, he writes about the, the, the work of the individual. What, what he says um, accurately is... Um, 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 uh, let's find it here. Uh, it's uh, the Aristotle's virtues is that it's the solo performance of the great individual. That's how he talks about virtues, the solo performance of the great individual. So for Aristotle, he would look, he would write, and he would say there are things that are in, that we can observe that people have these virtuous things, and those are the things that you should uh, strive for and and go after. But even Aristotle would say that um, this is the exception, not the rule. Um, that people that have these virtuous solo performers out there are the exception, not the rule. It's actually really hard to get to. And so when you get to Paul and he writes about the virtues that come out of a, someone who's walking in the Spirit, the difference for Paul is that it's not about the solo performance. It's about the community work. Um, Christianity for Paul is a team effort. It's a team effort. These aren't things that you work out individually on your own. It's actually something that is worked out in a community. It's a team effort. Christianity is not a solo performance. We need each other. We need each other. When, when I have unkindness in my life, I need my wife to go, Joe, stop being unkind, right? Work on that. I, we need people to help us live this out. And so as we see these things, it's not like you just go home and I got, I got to really try hard to do these things. It's, it's understand that's why we have a community. And that's what Paul intends to say, especially when you get into chapter 6. You see this evident that Paul says then, okay, care for one, uh, uh, one another. And when you see someone in sin, uh, restore them gently and carry each other's burdens, he says in the opening lines of chapter 6. He's, he's intending to say that these fruits of the Spirit are something that grow in and through us through the expression of our communities. Okay? And these are the exact things that we would want to see in a community. Um, people that have these attributes and these virtues um, are inherently attractive uh, to those inside and outside, to those around us. These virtues um, um, just, just um, they're attractive to people. When, like I said, when you're around people that are, that are kind, super kind, like that, you want to be around those people, people that have love and people that are gentle and, and, and people that uh, ha exhibit self-control. These are the kinds of people that we go, gosh, yeah, I want to be around those kinds of people. The last thing I would say about this idea of the, these fruits of the Spirit before we launch in and really unpacking uh, kindness is that um, these virtues, particularly kindness, is not something that Christians own. Okay? 
like non-Christians, non-believers can be some of the most extremely kind, generous, loving people, right, out there. This isn't something that's unique just to Christians. The difference is, is that for the world, a non-follower of Jesus, they get the option to be kind or not be kind. They get to say, I'm not going to be kind here, or I'm going to be kind here. For the follower of Jesus, it's not an option. We don't get the luxury to be unkind. We don't get the luxury to not love. We don't get the luxury to not exhibit self-control. These, these virtues in our lives, these are the ways that we walk in the Spirit. In John chapter 15, verse 8, Jesus says that um, if you bear much fruit, you are my true disciple. If you bear much fruit, you are my true disciple and you give glory to God. Jesus is saying that the kinds of people that bear the fruit, right, walking in the Spirit, are, are his true disciples. They're the ones that, that are following Jesus, being changed by Jesus, and on mission with Jesus, what a disciple is. And those that bear much fruit in their lives are my true disciples. We don't get the option to be unkind. We don't get the option. So it's not to say that we have this, you know, moral high ground of kindness that nobody else has. We don't get the option. And another note I would, I would say on that, um, what, what compels the Christian to actually have to be kind? Well, it comes from the kindness that God has shown us. Paul writes in Titus, another letter that he writes to um, a disciple of his, he says in chapter 3, verse 4, when God our Savior revealed his kindness and love, he saved us. Not because of the righteous things that we have done, but because of his mercy, he washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. We are called into kindness because of the kindness that God has shown us. Right? So we don't get the option. We've got to work it, the discipline of being kind. So let's, let's talk about this. There's a couple things I'm going to pull out here about kindness that we're going to look at. And the first thing is that kindness is a discipline, like we said, but it's a discipline with our actions. Kindness is a discipline with our actions. And I could spend a long time this morning talking about ways in which unkindness happens in our world with our actions, the ways that people are unkind with their actions. There are plenty of examples of that. But for the purpose of this morning, I'd like to focus on the beauty of kindness. I want to talk for a minute about the beauty of kindness with our actions. And it reminds me of a story of when Jane and I were first uh, married. We, were, uh, we had our first child, Michael, uh, who's 18 now, um, but we had him super early, like year one. It's like, oh, we're pregnant, let's go. And so we, you know, having kids. And, uh, um, and I had moved to Boise in June of 2000 uh, and got married in, in 2002. And I moved here to be a youth pastor. I was a youth pastor in the valley for seven years. And um, this may come to a shock to some of you, but, but youth pastors don't make a lot of money. I know, I know, shocker, shocker. I was making $1,500 a month. That was, that was my take home. I had no other job. This was my job. And somehow we, uh, we were able to buy a house in Nampa. I don't even know how, because Jane didn't work. And, um, and so um, she was a uh, stay-at-home mom raising our kids. So I was the only one pulling in the income, and it was not a lot. 
And we struggled for a lot of years um, financially, trying to just survive. And um, early on in, in our marriage, it was tough. And there was one time in particular, I remember us, we were in Nampa. All of our family was in Boise. We only had one car. Uh, we moved out to Nampa. We didn't know anyone. My work was in Boise. Jane's family was in Boise. So we, you know, we didn't actually make the trip a lot because it was just a big, you know, um, to, to make the trip out there. And we, you don't almost have to spend the day and uh, to make it worth it. But uh, so we had to stay home a lot. Uh, we were by ourselves. We had no money. And I remember uh, one time in particular, we were struggling because we had no food in our pantry, in our fridge. We had no food. And we have our infant child with us, and we were just struggling to, to like, what are we going to do? Um, we didn't know how to get into food stamps yet. We were like, just, it's all new to us and how to, you know, get help from, you know, uh, different outlets, uh, food banks and things like that, which we did because we had to back then. And, um, but we were struggling and we didn't know what to do. We didn't know where to turn. And I remember one night, and I'll never forget this, um, uh, we were hanging out and, uh, you know, and obviously my mind is like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And a, a knock came at our door. We opened up the door, and it was this couple that had gone to the church where I was a youth pastor at, and they'd become friends of ours. They lived in Nampa, and they had uh, boxes, and these boxes were full of a butchered cow of just meat. And, and if you've ever done that before, like where you have all the different cuts and all the different, you know, thing, and they just had boxes of that, and then they brought in boxes of groceries. They had no idea what we were going through. They had no idea that our, that our pantry was empty, that our fridge was empty. They had no idea. They didn't know the struggle that we were currently going through. But as they walked in the Spirit, their kindness led to them acting. And, it, and I'll never forget, it changed us. It changed us. It was, it was a moment that's etched in our brain of God's faithfulness and goodness through people who decided to walk in the Spirit and do an act of kindness to us. It was a beautiful moment. I'm, I'm reminded of stories. We hear stories all the time here at Real Life of people who are, are, are just um, uh, acts of kindness towards, towards others. And I'm reminded of a story. Uh, we had a family that moved to town um, from out of town, moved to town, like a lot of people are doing. And um, they, they came to real life. They found us online, and they came to real life. This was uh, kind of towards the back end of, of pandemic stuff, and uh, so pretty recently, maybe a year ago. Uh, I'm not sure exactly when, but, uh, but they moved here, and they started coming to real life, and they, they stayed. And so, yeah, awesome. We love that. And uh, they started hanging out, and they got connected to a home group. Well, not— Soon after them going to a home group, both of them got sick. I, I believe they both got COVID. And, and, and it hit them hard, um, really hard, to, to the point where it's like, you know, throwing up and laying in bed, or maybe it was a fee. I, I'm not sure what the sickness was, but they were super sick. And the challenge was is that they had a newborn. And so you had mom and dad, like, struggling to get out of bed, but having to care for a newborn. And so um, a gal in our church, um, another person that I want to be like when I grow up, Lindsay Klein, uh, reached out to them and um, offered to um, take baby Noah and watch Noah for a couple days while they recovered. And uh, we have a picture of, of their kids playing together. Um, as, as Lindsay just 
on our own. And again, this is a time where it's like, where you're scared to be around people that are sick, right? But decided to act and took, took baby Noah, cared for him while mom and dad recovered. Um, a beautiful moment act of kindness. The stories that we could share, um, could, we could go on and on about how we see this working out and the beauty of that and how it changes lives when we act with kindness towards one another. We act with kindness towards one another. It's a discipline. Yet you have to choose to do it, right? You have to choose to act out, to step out in faith and trust and, and discomfort, right? Because sometimes it's not always easy to act out in kindness towards people. But kindness is a discipline with our actions. The next thing I want us to look at, kindness is a discipline with our words. Okay, this is where it gets, gets good, okay? So stay with me, all right? Kindness is a discipline with our words. When people are passionate about the gospel, when people are passionate about the truth of Jesus' word, that zeal and passion can often betray us and lead us into unkindness. And it shouldn't be so. It shouldn't be so. Kindness with our words can change people's lives. And so the question might be, what causes us to be unkind? What, what, are the, what are the things that lead us as followers of Jesus to be unkind? And I wonder, I wonder if it's tied to the other elements of walking in the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. I wonder when we lack certain things in our lives, it can lead to an outpouring of unkindness. For instance, when, when we lack love in our lives, it can lead to unkind things. Well, love for who? Lacking love for who? Well, maybe it's our Democrat and Republican neighbor. When we lack love, all of a sudden our words become unkind towards people that we should love. But Joe, they're, they're the enemy. Oh, even more so because God said, love your enemy. Right? Causes us to be unkind. May, maybe a lack of patience in our lives causes us to be unkind. Well, patience for who? Maybe it's our Californian neighbor. Getting real. Right? And so we, we're unkind with our words. So we lack patience. Maybe the lack of self-control in our lives causes us to be unkind. Self-control for who? Maybe it's your spouse. I know some of the biggest fights Jane and I have gotten into, and we, we get pretty good at fighting sometimes. It's, it's a lack of self-control with my words. And I say things that I regret. I say unkind things. Shouldn't be so. Right? Maybe it's a lack of self-control. Maybe it's a lack of gentleness in our lives. Gentleness for who? Our kids. 
Gentleness towards our kids. We get angry. We get frustrated. They're not doing or acting or whatever it is we have in our brain that they, we should expect them to do, and we, act we say unkind things. We become unkind towards our kids. Just a thought experiment for us is that, that maybe the things that we're lacking in the fruit of the Spirit are the things that actually cause us to be unkind in the world. James chapter 3, verse 7. James, the brother of Jesus, writes these words. He says this, People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord, and father and sometimes it curses those who have been made in god's image and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of god and just in case you didn't hear it and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of god and so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth surely my brothers and sisters this is not right this is not right unkind words and unkindness in general has no place in the body of christ and unkindness has no place here at real life ministries it has no place kindness is a discipline we all need to work out and we need to watch our words we need to watch how we talk about other people about frustration we need to watch it. If we're to be disciplined with our actions and our words regarding kindness, we must be the kinds of people that walk in the Spirit. And we talk um, it real life, we talk about uh, the, the different parts that are played, right? And you might have heard us say, there's a part that God plays, there's a part that you play, and there's a part that other people play, and you'll never become more frustrated in life than when you try to play other people's parts. Let me riff on that a little bit because there are parts that are played when helping us to be more kind and to to have the fruit of the spirit of kindness in our lives because there's a part that the family of god plays the family part the church community and that part is accountability now i know that that's a scary word because we've seen so much abuse in the church trying to hold each other accountable that we resist it but here's the thing, just because there's abuse doesn't make it wrong, right? Just because there's abuse with accountability, which there is, doesn't diminish the fact that we are to hold each other accountable. Like I said in chapter 6, right after he gets done, in chapter 5, the fruit of the Spirit, he goes on to say, Dear brothers and sisters, if any believer is overcome by some, by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. That, we forget that. Gently and humbly help them back on the right path. And be careful, he says, not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Verse 2, he says, Share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. We are called to share with each other our burdens. And what this looks like, family, because you are my family, what this looks like is that if you see me acting out with, with no love, you have every right to pull me aside and say, Joe, that wasn't very loving. If you see me acting out with unkindness, you have every right to come to me and say, hey, Joe, that, that was really unkind. 
And I struggle with that. Last Sunday was a bad day for me. I woke up on the wrong side of the bed and everything was just ticking me off. You ever had those days where it's just nothing, right? And so I wake up, I'm grumpy, going into church. I hit a bump on the stupid road out there and it spills a little coffee. And I'm like, what? Oh, this road. I go to pull in and I notice the second entry is all torn up and we can't get in. I'm like, oh, so frustrating. I come in and I'm noticing little things. And I'm just getting frustrated. And I was just in a bad mood last Sunday. And I get up on the stage because we do rehearsals before church starts and I make a joke. And the joke was a little edgy. It was at the expense of the worship team. And I get off the, the stage and I'm like, why did I say that? That was very unkind. Sure, maybe I was joking and we do that. We mask our unkindness in sarcasm and jokes. And it's still unkindness. We just need to stop. But I, but I was unkind. I had to come up and apologize to the team. Hey, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to say, like, and, you know, and they were gracious and, and, and like, oh, it's okay. But still, I had, to, I had to apologize. It was a bit unkind. I had like four different people come up to me at some point during church and after go, are you okay? <laughs> are you okay? And I'm like, I'm not. Diane Hiddle, she's, are you okay? I said, no, I'm not. She stopped and she prayed for me. I love that. Thank you. We have those days, right? Doesn't, we need each other to help each other. What's going on? Where do you need help? So there's a part that the family plays, and it can be a healthy thing, even though there's been maybe a lot of abuse with accountability in the church. It can be a good thing, and it should be, and that's what Paul intended. Secondly, there's a part that God plays. We know this, that God helps us in our weakness. So when I am not strong, God helps us. Paul writes in Romans 8, verse 26, um, that, that God is our help in our weakness. And, and of course, in John's gospel, chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus talks about sending an advocate that's going to come and help us. And that advocate uh, convicts the world of, of sin, which means the Spirit, if I'm walking in the Spirit, is going to convict me, like when I walked off the stage and I went, I shouldn't have said that joke. I need to come back and ask for forgiveness. That's the Spirit, right? Convicting us. Of, so we're not alone, that God helps us. He gives us the Spirit to walk alongside this. So it's a part that God plays. He'll, he'll give you the Spirit if you ask for it. And that Spirit will come alive in you and convict and lead you as you're trying to walk it out. And lastly, there's a part that you play. Will you choose kindness? Will you choose kindness? Because it is a discipline. Will you choose kindness? As we wrap up and uh, our discussion this morning, um, this was a hard sermon to put together because there's just so much, right? I could have talked about unkindness on Twitter and social media. I could have talked about all these different things and, and, and I'm just going, God, what is it? What is it that we need to hear? And I believe that God wants you to know that he is with you as you choose to walk in the Spirit, right? This is an activity that you practice every day and that you can choose to be kind. It is an option. When you're ready to get snarky, stop. If you're in the middle of a fight with a loved one, walk away. Take a break. Choose kindness. 
The challenge that we have this morning is that will you choose kindness with your actions? Will you choose kindness with your words? Will you walk in the Spirit this week and let those fruits become evident? We're going to take communion as we do. If you didn't get a a little communion thing as you walked in, uh, we have um, Liz and Zach here. They're going to be walking back. Just lift your hand. Let them know as they walk back. If, If you didn't grab one, they'll give you one if you'd like to participate this morning. But as we take this moment before we we take communion, we're going to examine our hearts. We're going to examine our hearts. We're going to ask ourselves the question, am I unkind? In what ways have I been unkind with my actions or my words this past week? And in what ways do I need to repent? Is there someone in my life that I need to ask for forgiveness? Maybe this past week you've acted very unkindly with your actions, your words towards someone. And I would ask that as you sit in this moment, you would consider what it would look like to ask for forgiveness. You'd ask for forgiveness. And that you would begin to think and onboard what it would look like for you to choose kindness. As you walk out the fruit of the Spirit in your life. Just take a moment and let God speak to us.